Chapters 10 and 11 of Don Quixote, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Leader. Don Quixote, Volume 2, by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by John Ormsby. Chapters 10 and 11. Chapter 10, wherein is related the crafty device Sancho adopted to enchant the Lady Dulcinea, and other incidents as ludicrous as they are true. When the author of this great history comes to relate what is set down in this chapter, he says he would have preferred to pass it over in silence, fearing it would not be believed, because here Don Quixote's madness reaches the confines of the greatest that can be conceived, and even goes a couple of bowshots beyond the greatest. But, after all, though still under the same fear and apprehension, he has recorded it without adding to the story or leaving out a particle of the truth, and entirely disregarding the charges of falsehood that might be brought against him. And he was right, for the truth may run fine, but will not break, and always rises above falsehood as oil above water, and so— Going on with his story, he says that as soon as Don Quixote ensconced himself in the forest, oak grove, or wood, near El Toboso, he bade Sancho return to the city, and not come into his presence again, without having first spoken on his behalf to his lady, and begged of her that it might be her good pleasure to permit herself to be seen by her enslaved knight, and deign to bestow her blessing upon him, so that he might thereby hope for a happy issue in all his encounters and difficult enterprises. Sancho undertook to execute the task according to the instructions, and to bring back an answer as good as the one he brought back before. "'Go, my son,' said Don Quixote, "'and be not dazed when thou findest thyself exposed to the light of that son of beauty thou art going to see. Happy thou, above all the squires in the world!' Bear in mind, and let it not escape thy memory how she receives thee. If she changes color while thou art giving her my message, if she is agitated and disturbed at hearing my name, if she cannot rest upon her cushion, shouldst thou happily find her seated in the sumptuous state chamber proper to her rank, and should she be standing, observe if she poises herself now on one foot, now on the other, if she repeats two or three times the reply she gives thee, if she passes from gentleness to austerity, from asperity to tenderness, if she raises her hand to smooth her hair, though it not be disarranged. In short, my son, observe all her actions and emotions, for if thou wilt report them to me as they were, I will gather what she hides in the recesses of her heart as regards my love." For I would have thee know, Sancho, if thou knowest it not, that with lovers the outward actions and motions they give way to when their loves are in question are the faithful messengers that carry the news of what is going on in the depths of their hearts. Go, my friend, may better fortune than mine attend thee, and bring thee a happier issue than that which I await in dread in this dreary solitude. I will go and return quickly said Sancho. Cheer up that little heart of yours, master mine, for at the present moment you seem to have got one no bigger than a hazelnut. Remember what they say, that a stout heart breaks bad luck, and that where there are no fletches, 
there are no pegs. And moreover, they say, the hair jumps up where it's not looked for. I say this because if we could not find my lady's palaces or castles to-night, now that it is daylight, I count upon finding them when I least expect it, and once found, leave it to me to manage her. Verily, Sancho, said Don Quixote, thou dost always bring in thy proverbs happily, whatever we deal with. May God give me better luck in what I am anxious about. With this, Sancho wheeled about and gave Dapple the stick, and Don Quixote remained behind, seated on his horse, resting in his stirrups, and leaning on the end of his lance, filled with sad and troubled forebodings, and there we will leave him, and accompany Sancho, who went off no less serious and troubled than he left his master, so much so that, as soon as he had got out of the thicket, and, looking round, saw that Don Quixote was not within sight, he dismounted from his ass, and, seating himself at the foot of a tree, began to commune with himself, saying, "'Now, brother Sancho, let us know where your worship is going. Are you going to look for some ass that has been lost? Not at all. Then what are you going to look for? I am going to look for a princess, that's all, and in her for the sun of beauty and the whole heaven at once.' "'And where do you expect to find all this, Sancho? Where?' "'Why, in the great city of El Toboso.' "'Well, and for whom are you going to look for her?' "'For the famous knight, Don Quixote of La Mancha, "'who writes wrongs, gives food to those who thirst, "'and drink to the hungry.' "'That's all very well. "'But do you know her house, Sancho?' "'My master says it will be some royal palace or grand castle.' "'And have you ever seen her by any chance?' Well, "'Neither I nor my master ever saw her. "'And does it strike you that it would be just and right "'if the El Toboso people, finding out that you were here "'with the intention of going to tamper with their princesses "'and trouble their ladies, were to come and cudgel your ribs "'and not leave a whole bone in you?' "'They would, indeed, have very good reason, "'if they did not see that I am under orders, and that— you are a messenger, my friend. No blame belongs to you. Don't you trust to that, Sancho, for the Manchegan folk are as hot-tempered as they are honest, and don't put up with liberties from anybody. By the Lord, if they get scent of you, it will be worse for you, I promise you. Be off, you scoundrel. Let the bolt fall. Why should I go looking for three feet on a cat to please another man? And what is more— when looking for Dulcinea, we'll be looking for Marica in Ravina, or the Bachelor in Salamanca. The devil, the devil, and nobody else has mixed me up in all this business. Such was the soliloquy Sancho held with himself, and all the conclusion he could come to was to say to himself again, Well, there's remedy for everything except death, under whose yoke we have all to pass, whether— we like it or not, when life's finished. I have seen by a thousand signs that this master of mine is a, a madman fit to be tied, and, for that matter, I too am not behind him, for I am a greater fool than he is when I follow him and serve him. If there's any truth in the proverb that says, Tell me what company thou keepest, and I'll tell thee what thou art, or in that other, not with whom thou art bred, but with whom thou art fed. Well, then, 
if he be mad, as he is, and with a madness that mostly takes one thing for another, and white for black, and black for white, as was seen when he said the windmills were giants, and the monks' mules dromedaries, flocks of sheep, armies of enemies, and much more to the same tune, it will not be very hard to make him believe that some country girl, the first I come across here, is the Lady Dulcinea. And if he does not believe it, I'll swear it. And if he should swear, I'll swear again. And if he persists, I'll persist still more, so as, come what may, to have my quay always over the peg. Maybe by holding out this way, I may put a stop to his sending me on messages of this kind another time. Or maybe he will think, as I suspect he will, that one of those wicked enchanters, who he says have a spite against him, has changed her form for the sake of doing him an ill turn and injuring him. With this reflection, Sancho made his mind easy, counting the business as good as settled, and stayed there till the afternoon so as to make Don Quixote think he had time enough to go to El Toboso and return. And things turned out so luckily for him that as he got up to Mount Dapple, he spied, coming from El Toboso towards the spot where he stood, three peasant girls on three colts or fillies, for the author does not make the point clear, though it is more likely they were she-asses, the usual mount with village girls, but as it is of no great consequence, we need not stop to prove it. To be brief, the instant Sancho saw the peasant girls, he returned full speed to seek his master, and found him sighing and uttering a thousand passionate lamentations. When Don Quixote saw him, he exclaimed, "'What news, Sancho, my friend? Am I to mark this day with a white stone or a black?' "'Your worship,' replied Sancho, "'had better mark it with ruddle, like the inscriptions on the walls of classrooms, and those who see it may see it plain.' "'Then thou bringest good news,' said Don Quixote. "'So good,' replied Sancho, that your worship is only to spur Rocinante, and get out into the open field to see the Lady Dulcinea del Toboso, who, with two others, damsels of hers, is coming to see your worship. Holy God, what art thou saying, Sancho, my friend? exclaimed Don Quixote. Take care thou art not deceiving me, or seeking by false joy to cheer my real sadness. What can I get by deceiving your worship? returned Sancho, especially when it will so soon be shown whether I tell the truth or not. Come, senor, push on, and you will see the princess, our mistress, coming, robed and adorned, in fact, like what she is. Her damsels and she are all one glow of gold, all bunches of pearls, all diamonds, all rubies, all cloth of brocade of more than ten borders with their hair loose on their shoulders like so many sunbeams playing with the wind. And, moreover, they come mounted on three piebald cackneys, the finest sight you ever saw. Hackneys, you mean, Sancho, said Don Quixote. There is not much difference between cackneys and hackneys, said Sancho, but no matter what they come on, there they are, the finest ladies one could wish for, especially my lady the princess dulcinea who staggers one's senses let us go sancho my son 
said Don Quixote, and in guerdon of this news as unexpected as it is good, I bestow upon thee the best spoil I shall win in the first adventure I may have, or if that does not satisfy thee, I promise thee the foals I shall have this year from my three mares that thou knowest are in foal on our village common. I'll take the foals, said Sancho, for it is not quite certain that the spoils of the first adventure will be good ones. By this time they had cleared the wood, and saw the three village lasses close at hand. Don Quixote looked all along the road to El Toboso, and as he could see nobody except the three peasant girls, he was completely puzzled, and asked Sancho if it was outside the city he had left them. "'How outside the city?' returned Sancho. "'Are your worship's eyes in the back of your head, that you can't see that they are these who are coming here?' shining like the very sun at noonday i see nothing sancho said don quixote but three country girls on three jackasses now may god deliver me from the devil said sancho and can it be that your worship takes three hackneys or or whatever they're called as white as the driven snow for jackasses by the lord i could tear my beard if that was the case well I can only say, Sancho, my friend, said Don Quixote, that it is as plain as they are jackasses, or jennyasses, as that I am Don Quixote and thou Sancho Panza. At any rate, they seem to me to be so. Hush, senor, said Sancho, don't talk that way, but open your eyes, and come and pay your respects to the lady of your thoughts, who is close upon us now. And with these words, he advanced to receive the three village lasses, and, dismounting from Dapple, caught hold of one of the asses of the three country girls by the halter, and, dropping on both knees on the ground, he said, Queen and Princess and Duchess of Beauty, may it please your haughtiness and greatness to receive into your favor and good will your captive knight, who stands there turned into marble stone, and quite stupefied and benumbed, at finding himself in your magnificent presence. I am Sancho Panza, his squire, and he the vagabond knight, Don Quixote of La Mancha, otherwise called the Knight of the Rueful Countenance. Don Quixote had by this time placed himself on his knees beside Sancho, and, with eyes starting out of his head and a puzzled gaze, was regarding her whom Sancho called queen and lady, and, as he could see nothing in her except a village lass, and not a very well-favoured one, for she was platter-faced and snub-nosed, he was perplexed and bewildered, and did not venture to open his lips. The country girls, at the same time, were astonished to see these two men, so different in appearance, on their knees, preventing their companion from going on. She, however, who had been stopped, breaking silence, said angrily and testily, "'Get out of the way! Bad luck to you, and let us pass, for we are in a hurry!' To which Sancho returned, "'O princess and universal lady of El Toboso, is not your magnanimous heart softened by seeing the pillar and prop of knight-errantry on his knees before your sublimated presence?' On hearing this, one of the others exclaimed, Woe, then, why I'm rubbing thee down, she asseth my father-in-law. See how the lordlings come to make game of the village girls now, as if we here could not chaff as well as themselves. Go your own way, and let us go ours, and it will be better for you. 
"'Get up, Sancho,' said Don Quixote at this. "'I see that fortune, with evil done to me unsated still, "'has taken possession of all the roads by which any comfort may reach "'this wretched soul that I carry in my flesh. "'And thou, highest perfection of excellence that can be desired, utmost limit of grace in human shape,' So relief of this afflicted heart that adores thee, though the malign enchanter that persecutes me has brought clouds and cataracts on my eyes, and to them and, and them only transform thy unparagoned beauty, and change thy features into those of a poor peasant girl. If so be he has not at the same time changed mine into those of some monster to render them loathsome in thy sight, Refuse not to look upon me with tenderness and love, seeing in this submission that I make on my knees to thy transformed beauty the humility with which my soul adores thee. Heyday, my grandfather! cried the girl. Much I care for your love-making. Get out of the way and let us pass, and we'll thank you. Sancho stood aside and let her go, very well pleased to have got so well out of the hobble he was in. The instant the village lass who had done duty for Dulcinea found herself free, prodding her cackney with a spike she had at the end of a stick, she set off at full speed across the field. The she-ass, however, feeling the point more acutely than usual, began cutting such capers that it flung the lady Dulcinea to the ground, seeing which Don Quixote ran to raise her up, and Sancho to fix and girth the pack-saddle which also had slipped under the ass's belly. The pack-saddle being secured, as Don Quixote was about to lift up his enchanted mistress in his arms and put her upon her beast, the lady, getting up from the ground, saved him the trouble, for, going back a little, she took a short run, and, putting both hands on the croup of the ass, she dropped into the saddle more lightly than a falcon, and sat astride like a man, whereat Sancho said, rogue but our lady is lighter than a lanner and might teach the cleverest cordovan or mexican how to mount she cleared the back of the saddle in one jump and without spurs she is making the hackney go like a zebra and her damsels are no way behind her for they all fly like the wind which was the truth for as soon as they saw dulcinea mounted they pushed on after her and sped away without looking back for more than half a league. Don Quixote followed them with his eyes, and, when they were no longer in sight, he turned to Sancho and said, "'How now, Sancho, thou seest how I am hated by enchanters, and see to what a length the malice and spite they bear me go, when they seek to deprive me of the happiness it would give me to see my lady in her own proper form. The fact is, I was born to be an example of misfortune.' and the target and mark at which the arrows of adversity are aimed and directed. Observe, too, Sancho, that these traitors were not content with changing and transforming my Dulcinea, but they transformed and changed her into a shape as mean and ill-favoured as that of the village girl yonder, and at the same time they robbed her of that which is such a peculiar property of ladies of distinction, that is to say, the sweet fragrance that comes of being always among perfumes and flowers. For I must tell thee, Sancho, that when I approached to put Dulcinea upon her hackney, as thou sayest it was, though to me it appeared a, a she-ass, 
she gave me a whiff of raw garlic that made my head reel and poisoned my very heart oh scum of the earth cried sancho at this oh miserable spiteful enchanters oh that i could see you all strung by the gills like sardines on a twig ye know a great deal you can do a great deal and you do a great deal more it ought to have been enough for you ye scoundrels to have changed the pearls of my lady's eyes into oak gulls and her hair of purest gold into the bristles of a red ox's tail and in short all her features from fair to foul without meddling with her smell for by that we might somehow have found out what was hidden underneath that ugly rind though to tell the truth i never perceived her ugliness but only her beauty, which was raised to the highest pitch of perfection by a mole she had on her right lip, like a moustache, with seven or eight red hairs like threads of gold, and more than a palm long. From the correspondence which exists between those of the face and those of the body, said Don Quixote, Dulcinea must have another mole resembling that on the thick of the thigh on that side on which she has the one on her face. But hairs of the length thou hast mentioned are very long for moles. Well, all I can say is, there they were as plain as could be, replied Sancho. I believe it, my friend, returned Don Quixote, for nature bestowed nothing on Dulcinea that was not perfect and well finished. And so, if she had a hundred moles like the one thou hast described, in her they would not be moles but moons and shining stars. But tell me, Sancho, that which seemed to me to be a, a pack-saddle as thou art fixing it, was it a flat-saddle or a side-saddle? It was neither, replied Sancho, but a henete saddle with a field covering worth half a kingdom, so rich is it. And that I could not see all this, Sancho, said Don Quixote. Once more I say, and will say a thousand times, I am the most unfortunate of men. Sancho the rogue had enough to do to hide his laughter at hearing the simplicity of the master he had so nicely befooled. At length, after a good deal more conversation had passed between them, they remounted their beasts and followed the road to Saragossa, which they expected to reach in time to take part in a certain grand festival which is held every year in that illustrious city. But before they got there, things happened to them, so many, so important, and so strange, that they deserve to be recorded and read, as will be seen farther on. End of chapter 10 Chapter 11 Of the strange adventure which the valiant Don Quixote had with the car or cart of the Cortes of Death. Dejected beyond measure did Don Quixote pursue his journey, turning over in his mind the cruel trick the enchanters had played him in changing his lady Dulcinea into the vile shape of the village lass nor could he think of any way of restoring her to her original form. And these reflections so absorbed him that, without being aware of it, he let go Rocinante's bridle, and he, perceiving the liberty that was granted him, stopped at every step to crop the fresh grass with which the plain abounded. Sancho recalled him from his reverie. "'Melancholy, Signor," said he, "'was made not for beasts, but for men.' But, 
If men give way to it overmuch, they turn to beasts. Control yourself, your worship. Be yourself again. Gather up Rosinante's reins. Cheer up, rouse yourself, and show that gallant spirit that knights errant ought to have. What the devil is this? What weakness is this? Are we here or in France? The devil fly away with all the Dulcineas in the world, for the well-being of a single knight-errant is of more consequence than all the enchantments and transformations on earth. Hush, Sancho, said Don Quixote in a weak and faint voice. Hush, and utter no blasphemies against that enchanted lady. For I alone am to blame for her misfortune and hard fate. Her calamity has come of the hatred the wicked bear me. So say I, returned Sancho. His heart rend in twain, I trow, who saw her once to see her now. Thou mayest well say that, Sancho, replied Don Quixote, as thou sawest her in the full perfection of her beauty. For the enchantment does not go so far as to pervert thy vision or hide her loveliness from thee. Against me alone and against my eyes is the strength of its venom directed. Nevertheless, there is one thing which has occurred to me, and that is that thou didst ill describe her beauty to me, for, as well as I recollect, thou saidst that her eyes were pearls. But eyes that are like pearls are rather the eyes of a sea-brim than of a lady— and I am persuaded that Dulcinea's must be green emeralds, full and soft, with two rainbows for eyebrows. Take away those pearls from her eyes, and transfer them to her teeth, for, beyond a doubt, Sancho, thou hast taken the one for the other, the eyes for the teeth. Very likely, said Sancho, for her beauty bewildered me as much as her ugliness did your worship. But let us leave it all to God. Who alone knows what is to happen in this vale of tears, in this evil world of ours, where there is hardly a thing to be found without some mixture of wickedness, roguery, and rascality? But one thing, Signor, troubles me more than all the rest, and that is thinking what is to be done when your worship conquers some giant, or some other knight, and orders him to go and present himself before the beauty of the Lady Dulcinea. Where is this poor giant, or this poor wretch of a vanquished knight, to find her? I think I can see them, wandering all over El Toboso, looking like naughties, and asking for my lady Dulcinea, and even if they meet her in the middle of the street, they won't know her any more than they would my father. Perhaps, Sancho, returned Don Quixote, the enchantment does not go so far as to deprive conquered and presented giants and knights of the power of recognizing Dulcinea. We will try by experiment with one or two of the first I vanquish, and send to her whether they see her or not, by commanding them to return and give me an account of what happened to them in this respect. I declare, I think what your worship has proposed is excellent said Sancho, and that by this plan we shall find out what we want to know. And if it be that it is only from your worship she is hidden, the misfortune will be more yours than hers. But so long as the Lady Dulcinea is well and happy, we on our part will make the best of it, and get on as well as we can, seeking our adventures, and leaving time to take his own course. 
for he is the best physician for these and greater ailments. Don Quixote was about to reply to Sancho Panza, but he was prevented by a cart crossing the road full of the most diverse and strange personages and figures that could be imagined. He who led the mules and acted as carter was a hideous demon. The cart was open to the sky without a tilt or cane roof, and the first figure that presented itself to Don Quixote's eyes was that of death itself with a human face. Next to it was an angel with large painted wings, and at one side an emperor with a crown, to all appearance of gold, on his head. At the feet of death was the god called Cupid, without his bandage, but with his bow, quiver, and arrows. There was also a knight in full armor, except that he had no morion or helmet, but only a hat decked with plumes of divers colors, and along with these there were others with a variety of costumes and faces. All this, unexpectedly encountered, took Don Quixote somewhat aback, and struck terror into the heart of Sancho. But the next instant Don Quixote was glad of it, believing that some new perilous adventure was presenting itself to him, and under this impression, and with a spirit, prepared to face any danger, he planted himself in front of the cart, and in a loud and menacing tone exclaimed, Carter, or coachman, or devil, or whatever thou art, tell me at once who thou art, whether thou art going, and who these folks are that thou carriest in thy wagon, which looks more like Karen's boat than an ordinary cart. To which the devil, stopping the cart, answered quietly, Signor, we are players of Angelo el Malo's company. We have been acting the play of the Cortes of Death this morning, which is the octave of Corpus Christi, in a village behind that hill, and we have to act it this afternoon in that village which you can see from this. And as it is so near, and to save the trouble of undressing and dressing again, we go in the costumes in which we perform. That lad there appears as a death, that other as an angel. That woman, the manager's wife, plays the queen, this one the soldier, that the emperor, and I uh, the devil. And I am one of the principal characters of the play, for in this company I take the leading parts. If you want to know anything more about us, ask me, and I will answer with the utmost exactitude, <laughs> for as I am a devil, and I am up to everything. By faith of a knight-errant, replied Don Quixote, when I saw this cart I fancied some great adventure was presenting itself to me. But I declare, one must touch with the hand what appears to the eye, if illusions are to be avoided. God speed you, good people, keep your festival, and remember, if you demand of me aught wherein I can render you a service, I will do it gladly and willingly, for from a child I was fond of the play, and in my youth a keen lover of the actor's art. While they were talking, fate so willed it that one of the company in a mummer's dress, with a great number of bells, and armed with three blown ox-bladders at the end of a stick, joined them, and this merry Andrew, approaching Don Quixote, began flourishing his stick and banging the ground with the bladders and cutting capers with great jingling of the bells, which untoward apparition so startled Rocinante that, in spite of Don Quixote's efforts to hold him in, taking the bit between his teeth, 
he set off across the plain with greater speed than the bones of his anatomy ever gave any promise of. Sancho, who thought his master was in danger of being thrown, jumped off Dapple and ran in all haste to help him. But by the time he reached him he was already on the ground, and beside him was Rocinante, who had come down with his master, the usual end and upshot of Rocinante's vivacity and high spirits. But the moment Sancho quitted his beast to go and help Don Quixote, the dancing devil with the bladders jumped up on Dapple, and, beating him with them, more by the fright and the noise than by the pain of the blows, made him fly across the fields toward the village where they were going to hold their festival. Sancho witnessed Dapple's career and his master's fall, and did not know which of the two cases of need he should attend to first. But in the end, like a good squire and good servant, he let his love for his master prevail over his affection for his ass, though every time he saw the bladders rise in the air and come down on the hindquarters of his dapple, he felt the pains and terrors of death, and he would have rather had the blows fall on the apples of his own eyes than on the last hair of his ass's tail. In this trouble and perplexity he came to where Don Quixote lay in a far sorrier plight than he liked, and having helped him to mount Rocinante, he said to him, "'Signor, the devil has carried off my dapple.' "'What devil?' asked Don Quixote. "'The one with the bladders,' said Sancho. "'Then I will recover him,' said Don Quixote, "'even if he be shut up with him in the deepest and darkest dungeons of hell. Follow me, Sancho, for the cart goes slowly, and with the mules of it I will make good the loss of dapple.' "'You need not take the trouble, Signor,' said Sancho. Keep cool, for, as I now see, the devil has let Dapple go, and he is coming back to his old quarters. And so it turned out, for, having come down with Dapple, in imitation of Don Quixote and Rocinante, the devil made off on foot to the town, and the ass came back to his master. For all that, said Don Quixote, it will be well to visit the discourtesy of that devil upon some of those in the cart, even if it were the emperor himself. "'Don't think of it, your worship,' returned Sancho. "'Take my advice, and never meddle with actors, for they are a favoured class. I myself have known an actor taken up for two murders, and yet come off scot-free. Remember that, as they are merry folk who give pleasure, everyone favours and protects them, and helps and makes much of them, above all when they are those of the royal companies and under patent, all or most of whom in dress and appearance look like princes.' "'Still, for all that,' said Don Quixote, "'the player, devil, must not go off boasting, "'even if the whole human race favours him.' "'So, saying, he made for the cart, "'which was now very near the town, "'shouting out as he went, "'Stay! Halt! Ye merry, jovial crew! "'I want to teach you how to treat asses and animals "'that serve the squires of knights-errant for steeds.' So loud were the shouts of Don Quixote that those in the cart heard and understood them, and, guessing by the words what the speaker's intention was, death in an instant jumped out of the cart, and the emperor, the devil carter, and the angel after him. Nor did the queen or the god Cupid stay behind, and all armed themselves with stones and formed in line, prepared to receive Don Quixote on the points of their pebbles. Don Quixote, when he saw them drawn up in such a gallant array with uplifted arms ready for a mighty discharge of stones, 
checked Rocinante, and began to consider in what way he could attack them with the least danger to himself. As he halted, Sancho came up, and seeing him disposed to attack this well-ordered squadron, said to him, "'It would be the height of madness to attempt such an enterprise. Remember, senor, that against sops from the brook, and plenty of them, there is no defensive armor in the world, except to stow oneself away under a brass bell, and besides—' One should remember that it is rashness, and not valor, for a single man to attack an army that has death in it, and where emperors fight in person, with angels, good and bad, to help them. And if this reflection will not make you keep quiet, perhaps it will to know for certain that, among all these, though they look like kings, princes, and emperors, there is not a single knight errant." now indeed thou hast hit the point sancho said don quixote which may and should turn me from the resolution i had already formed i cannot and must not draw a sword as i have many a time before told thee against any one who is not a dubbed knight it is for thee sancho if thou wilt to take vengeance for the wrong done to thy dapple and i will help thee from here by shouts and salutary counsels there is no occasion to take vengeance on any one, senor, replied Sancho, for it is not the part of good Christians to revenge wrongs, and besides, I will arrange it with my ass to leave his grievance to my good will and pleasure, and that is to live in peace as long as heaven grants me life. Well, said Don Quixote, if that be thy determination, good Sancho, sensible Sancho, Christian Sancho, honest Sancho, let us leave these phantoms alone, and turn to the pursuit of better and worthier adventures. For from what I see of this country, we cannot fail to find plenty of marvellous ones in it. He at once wheeled about. Sancho ran to take possession of his dapple. Death and his flying squadron returned to their cart, and pursued their journey. And thus the dread adventure of the cart of death ended happily, thanks to the advice Sancho gave his master, who had, the following day, a fresh adventure of no less thrilling interest than the last, with an enamoured knight-errant. End of chapter 11 Recording by John Leader, Bloomington, Illinois